Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's sermon podcast. We trust that this podcast is an encouragement to you. If there's any way that we can pray for you, or if you have any questions about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I want to follow up to what the boys and girls shared with you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about preparing to receive. We're in the midst of our series on preparing him room, preparing room for the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And I want to talk to you this morning about preparing to receive. I don't know if any of you can relate to this or not. But uh, when our family goes to a drive through restaurant, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, something like that, and we, which a lot during COVID, we've had to go through the drive through right? Inside's not open, what have you. Especially when we're on a trip, I, I get what my kids have affectionately called drive through panic. Anybody else get drive through panic? Anybody can relate to that? No? Well, so part of the reason is, part of the reason is because we have five kids. And so, listen, if you're pulling up to a drive through by yourself, I mean, hey, it's no big deal, right? But when you have yourself and your wife and your five kids and you pull up to that drive through and what would you like to eat, right? I start to ask everybody and it's like it surprised them. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're giving me their orders and so forth, and I'm having to relay this all to the drive through person. So I begin to panic. I get kind of, we start to pulling up. I get sweaty, and my heart starts beating. I'm like, kids, come on. You've got to get your order ready. But there's nothing, just the ordering is one thing. But getting to the, where you receive your order is a whole nother level of panic. Because here's the deal, I start getting what they're handing to me, and you know, it would be nice if they would give you one person's order at a time, but it's kind of like the drive through person just takes it all and they kind of just shove it through the window. Here you go, right? And drinks, they're just handing me drinks, and what are my kids doing while, they, while this is happening? <laughs> oh, we're supposed to, we're having, we've, we've ordered something? And so we have... In our car, um, our, my kids know it, it's, when we're going through the drive-thru, they put their phones down, books down, everything on the floor, and they have to get ready or they have to prepare to receive. Lego hands ready. They have to prepare to receive their drink and their bag and get ready to eat. That's part of our family lore. I kid you not. That's, that's the honest truth. And um, in fact, so the funny part is that we went on a trip uh, last summer, but basically every trip we go on. Um, I don't know why we didn't do this before. We realized that our back window rolls down. And so I don't even order anymore. Hannah usually sits there and she orders for us. And so it makes it a lot easier on me. Why do I tell you this this morning? I tell you this because as we've heard the wonderful precious, amazing news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Friends, it is not news that just goes out in a news flash and is there for nothing. It is there for us to receive. And how do we receive that? Are we ready to receive that? You know, it's not easy for many to receive the message of the gospel. Many people have all kinds of preconceived notions, misunderstandings of what the gospel is and what it says and what it means and who it's for. So this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar Christmas story. And as we look at this story, I want to share with you very simply four ways that you can prepare to receive the gospel, the message that God has for you, the message you've heard so beautifully this morning from our boys and girls, and the message that God wants for you to know. So if you picked up an outline on the way out, on the way in, uh, grab that. We're going to fill in those blanks right now. Number one, the first way that you can prepare to receive is to realize that God's message is for real people living real lives. We have this idea that, the, that, that in order for God to, to, to accept us, or in order for us to come to God, that we have to fix ourselves up first. I want you to look at our text this morning in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Um, actually, I'm going to back up one verse because I think it was read this morning, but it just we have here the, 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 the story of the gospel really in verse 7. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds, you know this, right, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Isn't it interesting that the first people that God sent the message to, that God sent an angel to, to tell about Christ's birth were shepherds? It wasn't King Herod. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't the Sadducees. It was everyday, ordinary people. Ordinary shepherds, look, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Friends, here's what we need to understand. The gospel is not for perfect people. Amen? The gospel is not for perfect people. It's, it's not for a certain class. It's not for the super religious. The gospel, God's message is for everyday, ordinary, real people living real lives. That's who the gospel is for. I want you to notice what the angel says at the end of verse 10. We'll come back to this here in just a minute. But he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The message is good news, and it's there for all people. It's not just for certain people. It's for everyone. Some people have the idea that in order for God to receive them, in order for them to get right with God, in order for them for, to accept Christ, they have to fix themselves up first. That in order to receive Jesus, they have to become, and become a child of God, they have to get their life in order. You know what, I, Pastor, I'd really love to accept Christ, but you know what, I need, to, I need to get some things changed first. Friends, that's not how it works. Um, we don't have to fix ourselves up before we come to God. We bring whoever we are, and we surrender it to God. We surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, this is not a perfect analogy, but if we have any fishermen in here, right, um, 
do the fish clean themselves? They don't, right? It's not till after they're caught until they're clean. Listen, we don't fix, we don't clean up ourselves. God cleans us up after we have come to him. That's what we need to understand, friends. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be some super spiritual person. You don't have to be religious. In fact, God doesn't want us to be religious. You don't have to have a background in church. You don't have to know anything. All you have to do is want to turn from your sin and to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you can receive him as the Lord and Savior and become a part of his family. Friends, you need to realize that God's message is for real people living real lives. Number two, second of all, second truth we see in our text today is this, friends. We need to realize that God's message is good news. It is good news. Look at what the angel said to them in verse 10. Actually, back up to verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 first. It says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, what was their response? Their fear. They were afraid. But what were they afraid of? You see, some people are afraid of the gospel. Some people are afraid of the message of Christ because, you know what, they think, you know what, I I really am afraid of that. I don't want to go there because God's going to expect something of me I can't deliver. God has a list for me, he, a list of do's and don'ts. He has, he has um, this, the, 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 this list of what he wants from me and what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And so they're afraid of that. I want you to notice that they weren't afraid of the message. What they were afraid of was of the angel. It said the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. He hadn't even gotten to the message yet. Friends, here's the deal. The reason they were afraid is because God's glory still shining off of those angels who'd come from the Lord was was, 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 fearful. Anytime we see in Scripture somebody um, is visited by the Lord or an angel, they are afraid because they, they are standing before someone who is greater than them, who has, in this case, been in the very presence of God. And so their fear was a fear of, of, of God. And you know what? We should be afraid of God. We're going to stand before him one day. He is holy and just and righteous. And and we're going to have to answer to him one day. And we're going to stand guilty and condemned before him. So we should be afraid of God. But you know what we shouldn't be afraid of is the message that the angel gives and the message that God gives to us. Look at verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news, literally it translates to, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. I bring you good news. Friends, that good news is what? Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Friends, listen, it is true that good news is not good news until we realize the bad news. Right? Somebody says, Jesus died for your sins. If, if we don't understand why we need that, then we don't understand. It's not really good news to us until we understand that we all are sinners, that we've sinned against a holy God, that we are accountable to him, that we're going to stand before him guilty and condemned. Friends, that makes 
the good news that God has sent a Savior to pay for your sins, wonderful. Amen? It makes it wonderful news. Listen, the message itself is not to be feared. The message is not, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got The message is simply, you know what? God did something for you that you could not do for yourself. He sent his son, Jesus, to come to earth to live a sinless life and to offer himself on the cross as a sacrifice for your sins, as the atoning sacrifice for your sins, so that if you will put your faith and trust in him, if you will receive that message by faith, your name can be written in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Amen? When we realize the gospel is good news, it changes our perspective. So friends, if we're going to receive the gospel, if we're going to prepare to receive, we need to understand this for real people living real lives. We need to understand that the message is good news. The third thing I want you to see in this text here is this, friends. We need to realize that God's message demands a decision. It demands a decision. What you've heard today, you've got to decide what you're going to do with that. And I would imagine for most of us here, this is a message you've heard over and over and over again. Let's see, what, the, what did the shepherds do? Verse 12 tells us, the angel continues delivering the message. He says, and this will be the sign in, sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that is come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They hurried. They didn't wait. They, they, they skedaddled, right? They, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, the reality is, friends, once you think about this, when the angels left, you know what the shepherds could have done? Wow, that was awesome. That was great. And they could have went back to their sheep. They could have just went back to their ordinary lives. That's what a lot of people do. They hear the message and they, okay. But that's not what they did. If you notice, they said, let's now go to Bethlehem and let's see what has come to pass, that, what, what the Lord has done. And they came and found Mary and Joseph and found the baby and they worshipped him. They believed the angels and their faith led them to make a decision to go and to see and to find out and to worship him. Here's what I want you to understand. Friends, every time we hear the message of the gospel, or maybe let me say it this way. Every time we hear God's word, we are faced with a decision. We are faced with a crisis of faith. What are we going to do with what we've heard? Are we going to respond to it in faith? Or are we going to ignore it? Are, will we share it with others or will we keep it to ourselves? Friends, wherever you are in your walk with Christ, when you hear the word of God... You have to decide, what am I going to do with it? You see, we're all responsible for responding to the light which God has shown to us. Wherever we are, 
And the reality is we're all in different places. Some of, some of us have grown up in church all of our lives. Some of you did not. Some of, some of you, your parent, you grew up and your parents taught you about God. They taught you to trust in God. Some of you never laid eyes on a church, never walked in a church, maybe until you were an adult. Everybody comes at the faith, faith in a, from a different background. But here's the deal. The Bible says that even if we've never heard the name of Jesus spoken before, that we should know from nature that there is a God and, and, and we should seek him further. So that even if, even if we never heard of God before, nature declares God to us. And we are responsible for responding to that revelation that we have. There, each and every person here has a conscience. Some people say, well, I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know right from wrong. That's, that's false. Um, did you know, I read something recently, um, that every religion in the world, if you look at the moral requirements of, er, of every major religion in the world, they are all very similar. The moral requirements. Uh, you know Why? Because God has placed in us a, a, a basic sense of right and wrong and what we should and we shouldn't do. Yeah, things vary a little bit and people have, have resisted um, the truth in, in some ways and manners in different places. But in general, the moral codes of even different societies, different religions are amazingly similar. Why is that? Friends, because God has placed inside of us. We should hear our conscience telling us that we've sinned and that should calls us to seek to repent. Even when we hear the gospel, friends, we are responsible for how we respond to that. Whether do we respond in faith, or at least do we seek out answers to the questions that we have. God has called preachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists to preach and tell the message across our land and across all, all the world. To to. to Get out his message of warning and of love. Every person must decide for themselves what they're going to do with it. How are you going to respond to what God has said to you? I don't know if you've heard this said before, and I'm not even sure who said it, but our lives become the sum of all the decisions we make. You heard that before? Just think about that for a minute. Now listen, it, those of you who are 50 and over, you understand that, right? We look back on our lives and we realize that our lives are the sum of the decisions we make. Some good, some, uh, some not so good. Listen, even we're all going to make bad decisions, right? But even when we make those, if we turn to the Lord in faith, God can redeem those things. Now, if you're under 20, boys and girls, teenagers, I want you to listen up real carefully, all right? Elbow your teenager sitting next to you, okay? Your life will be the sum of the decisions that you make. Do you choose to follow Christ 
or do you take a left turn? Where you end up 30, 40, 50 years down the road will be based on the decisions you make about those things. We're each... The gospel message demands that we can't just put it out there and say, I'm not going to do anything with this. If we don't choose to follow Christ, guess what that means by default? We've chosen to not to. God's message demands a decision. It's for real people living real lives. Friends, it's God's message is good news. It demands a decision. And the fourth truth I want to share with you this morning from our text, before we wrap it up and I'll let you go, is this, friends. Realize that God's message can change your life forever. God's message can change your life forever. I want you to look at how the shepherds responded to what happened to them. Verse 17, they went to went to see Mary and Joseph and they found baby Jesus. Verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Jan, they went and told, right? Go and tell it upon the mountain. They went and they told everybody. So before they went back to their lives, they went out and they started telling, listen, you won't believe what we've seen. You won't believe what has happened. Friends, their lives were changed and they couldn't help but tell other people about it. Verse 18 says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Friends, what did they do? They left and they started praising the Lord. They couldn't help it, glorifying and praising God. Here's the question for you. Does your life glorify and praise the Lord? Their hearts were changed. They were changed forever. They had a new, mis- new message to give and a new song in their heart. You know, so many times we walk around as, woe is me, right? And in the world we live in today, it's not hard for that to happen. Listen, if you have Jesus in your heart, doesn't matter what's happening out here, you've got a song in there. Let it sing. Let it sing. Friends, they had met the Savior. Maybe you're here today and and God is speaking to you. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. Maybe you've never received the message. You've never responded in faith. You've heard it. You know it. You could maybe even recite it. But you're not following it. You've not allowed God come into your life and to change you and to transform you. Remember what I said? I said, we don't have to fix ourselves up. You say, pastor, then how do I receive it? How do I respond? It is by simply, the boys and girls told us this morning, acknowledging you're a sinner, that you need Jesus as your Savior, and that he was sent by God. He lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay for your sins, and rose again to give you new life, and you want all of that. And God says, He'll give it to you. If you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you. I trust you. Your li- my life is in your hands today. I want to close by sharing a story with you. Kathy was one of 13 children 
that grew up in a, an unusual home life. She was raised by a common father and three mothers in a polygamous community in Utah. Growing up, she was burdened by the unrealistic expectations of the cult that she found herself in. She said, we were constantly told to keep sweet and that perfect obedience produces perfect faith. She said, but behind these sugary slogans lay the impossible duty of living in complete obedience to the prophet. This prophet was a man by the name of Leroy Johnson. And Mormon belief stated that he was the earthly leader of the community and mediator between God and man. Yes, that's who they called him. We called him Uncle Roy, said Kathy. He was a feeble old man who prophesied that he would never die, that he'd become young again and be lifted up to heaven. And if we kept sweet, we'd be taken with him. She said, I looked forward to that day. But the reality was, she said, that day never came. Instead, Leroy Johnson passed away at the ripe old age of 93 and then was succeeded by a new prophet. These events shattered her faith in the Mormon way of life. In an act of rebellion, she ran away with a young man named Matt at the age of 18. The two were married and moved to California. But Kathy found that physical distance was not enough to separate her from her former life. She said, I was ashamed that I grew up in polygamy. I worried that people would find out about my past, so I overindulged in things like drinking and smoking and drugs in an attempt to appear, appear worldly. She said, but my, mock, my thoughts mocked me. You're an idiot for leaving. You didn't stay sweet and obey the prophet. You're going to hell. She said, I sought therapy but couldn't express my feelings. I wanted desperately to believe in God, but I thought, what has he ever done for me? She said, I tried to read the Book of Mormon, but I didn't even believe it anymore. After two years of marriage, Kathy and Matt divorced. Several years later, she met a man at work by the name of Brian. Brian was a Christian and stood out among her circle of friends. She says, I began attending church with him, and Brian and I spent more time together. He was different. He had a purpose to life, a steadiness, she said, that I wanted. When I told him about, all about my past, he shared how Mormonism differed from the truth of the Bible. We began praying together. She said, God seemed real and different than I'd ever known or ever expected. One day... She said she was visiting with Brian and his mother, and his mother began to talk to her about baptism. Confused, she began to ask questions. What did a person need to do to be baptized? Did they say a vow or go through a ceremony? How much did it cost? She assured me that baptism was free. She said, and I and explained that it was an outward statement of an inward commitment to Christ. She said, I admitted that I wasn't sure I'd even made that commitment. How did I get this faith? Do you have to keep sweet or do you have to be perfectly obedient? She said, Brian's mother explained that good deeds don't save us. She said, Mormonism teaches you that you must work to earn your way to heaven. The Bible teaches that trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross saves us. She said, I was amazed at the simplicity of the gospel message. I cried, she said, when I realized that I could come to Jesus 
just as I was. He didn't require perfection. So, sitting there, with, talking with Brian's mom, she said, I bowed my head and prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. She said, it was the best thing I've ever done. And I'm sure many here today could agree with that and say amen. Friends, Kathy, this Kathy received Jesus as her Savior because God prepared her heart and she simply responded with faith in Him. This morning, you have heard the clear, simple message of the gospel from our boys and girls. We've talked about it afterwards here. How will you respond? Has God prepared your heart to receive? This morning, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come in. I believe you, I trust you, I turn from my sin, and I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life today. Friends, would that be your decision today? I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to bow your heads for just a couple of moments. Friend, if you're here today, and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, and you would like to do that today, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you as my Savior. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me a part of your family. Be the boss and Lord of my life. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe God's been speaking to you about some other things. Maybe God's been speaking to you about some areas of sanctification in your life, things that He wants you to grow in. How have you received that? How have you responded to that? Maybe you're here and God's been speaking to you about what areas He wants you to serve in, things He wants you to do, people He wants you to share the gospel with. How have you responded? How have you received that? Friends, today, would you receive the message, the gospel? Would you receive what God is speaking to you about today? And would you respond in faith, in salvation, in obedience to him today? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for giving us that simple message of the gospel that once we know we're sinners, that that's not the end, that you've given us good news, that you've provided a way for us to be saved, and you've paid for that yourself. Lord, I pray today, if there are any here today, any watching online that do not trust you as Lord and Savior, that they will today put their faith and trust in you. It's in your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.